Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 116, Jumping Jellybean, recorded December 4th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're recording a bit out of our regular schedule. Uh, this uh, will be released about nine days from now instead of our usual two or three day lead time. We're trying to bank up some episodes so that we don't have to record on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So if things are uh, seem a little out of date, if we're talking about news that's a bit old, that's why. And of course, the we I'm talking about is myself, Mark, and that guy over there, his name is Sean. Hey, great to be here as always. I should just record that part. Like we should just have a recording of me saying that and we just edit it in. Sure. That way, if I, if I ever am like, you know, it just sucks to be here tonight. You can just edit that out, drop that in there, and we'll move on. Just add a great show clip while we're at it. You know, <laughs> right, so that's always right. there. <laughs> you know, it occurs to me that uh, new listeners, and by new I mean, you know, in the last 95 episodes or so, might not know <laughs> why we end every show with Sean saying, great show. Why, why don't you explain that, Sean? Well... <laughs> I'm not quite sure what you're getting at because I think it was just one of those things that I started doing. And uh, and then I think, uh, if I remember it correctly, I could be totally wrong on this, but I seem to remember that there was one show where, I don't know, I had done it for like the first 10 episodes or something, not even thinking about it. And then uh, you kind of were like pausing going, uh, are you going to say it? No, no. The, what happened was uh, Sean has never known, been known for his modesty. Uh, and at some point in every show... <laughs> He would declare it a great show, and yeah. uh, and I didn't really pay any attention, and neither did he. And one day he didn't, and the chat room, we heard, we got an email and said, wait, Sean didn't say it was a great show. That's right. And, and we realized, oh, wait a minute, you're right. Every show we do this. So it's become a shtick now that yeah. the, the show is not complete until Sean says great show. Yeah, yeah. I, I remembered it was something like that. I, you know, yeah. that I was doing it without thinking about it, and then the time I didn't do it, uh, I got called on it. So yeah, and uh, so now we have to end every show with Sean proclaiming that it's a great show. Otherwise, the show never ends. Right, and that would be bad. <laughs> it's hard enough yeah. to edit a, uh, an hour show. I wouldn't want to edit a twenty-eight hour show. You know, it, it's funny though, and that that takes me to uh, thinking about you know uh, I don't do it anymore, but you know back when I used to commute and you'd you'd listen to that uh, morning show, you know whatever the local radio right. morning show is. Uh, there's one in every every large city, uh, if not well several, and uh, it is funny because you kind of there's certain aspects of the show that you you come to almost depend on you know you you expect it it gives you kind of a warm fuzzy feeling you know and uh i i guess we just never really thought of our show that way there's certain things that we do i guess certain nuanced uh items and and you know maybe the way that you intro the show mark you know things like that that uh people start to grow you know uh, comfortable with and they don't like having uh having us deviate from that and yeah surely enough when we do deviate we we hear about it yeah it's like my little hello everyone i just did it one day and it became not only the trademark for the show but of every show on the network that's how right. i begin every show 
<laughs> yeah, and, and that was just, I, I don't even think you really gave it much thought. You no. were just kind of like, okay, I'm going to, let's kick this off. Let's go. And from show one, I think it was, I mean, I think you did that on show one, right? I, it was pretty early on. I don't remember when. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an assignment for a listener out there. Go back in the archive and figure out which show I said, hello, everyone. <laughs> right. For the first time. <laughs> All right, Mark. So you you uh, hopped into the show notes and dropped one in on me there, and I'm really curious to see where you're going with this. Suckfinity? <laughs> Suckfinity, yes. Um, I just got to complain just a little bit uh, because, oh, you? because it's fresh on my mind. Um, <laughs> I, I've, been, uh, I've been a, uh, a faithful user uh, of OpenDNS, both professionally and personally, for a long time now. We've talked about it often on this show, and uh, I use it at home as a as a as a not only um, internet content filter, but also um, a caching a DNS caching server and, and one of the fastest DNS servers uh, systems on the on the on the planet or in the country anyway. Um, when I moved to Georgia and got uh, Xfinity Internet from Comcast, I noticed it wasn't working anymore. And, um, so I didn't, I didn't, you know, when I got a new router and new everything. And so I, I just didn't really pay any attention to it. I just thought, you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't working. So I, but I didn't really care. It's just my wife and I primarily who use the computers, the kids do occasionally, but they're supervised. Well, for Christmas, I'm buying them, um, some personal computing devices. So uh, they're going to be having more access to the internet. So having, a filter of some sort in place becomes a little more important because I'm not always going to be there uh, to watch over their shoulder. So I started investing some real effort in it. And I've discovered that I can set my DNS settings. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, open DNS, uh, you set the DNS settings either at your router or on your computer. And if you go to, uh, you know, badwebsite.com, they will, they will block that and they won't serve you the proper, a DNS entry for that. Instead, they'll send you to something on their server that blocks it. It's uh, rudimentary. It's certainly not the most effective filter, but it's a good. It's a good first step. And uh, you know, I, I used it at the school where I work, where Sean still works. Uh, yep. That's it's in the line. It's not the only line of defense, but it's certainly in the line. They have uh, um, paid accounts as well that give you a little more control, but you can set your own filtering. It, it's 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 a it's a great service. I highly recommend it. So I can set up my dns entries at uh at my cable modem won't let me set up dns entries it's just not there okay uh that they that comcast is renting me leasing me at seven bucks a month um, oh wow yeah thank you. <laughs> you you get internet access but it doesn't come with a modem you either have to buy your own or you can lease one from them yeah, that's uh, AT&T made me buy mine, but yeah. I mean, so it was $100 up front, but you know, I'm not paying a monthly on it. Yeah, well, I, since I'm renting here, I don't know if I'll be wi with Comcast, you know, next year. So I decided not to buy one that might, you know, I might go DSL some other time. Anyway, that's a whole different story. Right. So um, I, I uh, started putting stuff in at the Wi-Fi router. I had been using the Xfinity box as the Wi-Fi and it kind of sucked anyway. No, it didn't kind of suck. It really, really sucked. So I went and bought, you know, a D-Link um, just off the shelf at Best Buy sort of thing uh, and plugged in my DNS settings there. Still no joy. So I started really um, expounding on it, trying to make things, try, trying to figure it out. So 
um, if you're a, if you're a network guru, you know of things like NS lookup and so like that. So uh, I my, all my con- uh, computers are configured to get their information from OpenDNS, and it will tell you that. You do an NS lookup, it'll say my servers are uh, 208.67.222.222, which is um, OpenDNS. So, but when you do a DNS query, that's being overwritten somewhere in the system to Comcast system. And and this is not uh, uncommon. Yeah. This is so if you fat finger URL and type in googly instead of google.com, um, they can in, uh, redirect you to a page that serves up ads. Um, and most places offer some sort of uh, opt out to this or whatever. But um, so I called or I didn't call. I went to online to the, the chat, the online chat. This was last Saturday. Mm-hmm. I spent three hours chatting with this ignorant person. I'm not going to call him an idiot because they just didn't know. They just, they just didn't know. Right. And, uh, and I kept trying to, to say, you know, is there somebody else? Is it, can you just, you know, here's the situation. My DNS is being redirected. I, I just need that. And they said, all right, push button one that spits out this script. Well, I have some troubleshooting tips. Can you get to a website? All right. <laughs> I am chatting with you on a website. Yes, I can. And then it was like, check to make sure everything is powered up. Oh, God. Hit the reset button. Right. Yeah. They maybe <laughs> they maybe do that. You know, reset to factory defaults. So finally, they said, All right, we're gonna have to send out a Comcast technician. I said, Okay, oh, you oh. know. We'll send out a Comcast technician. Maybe you know, maybe they'll have a better idea. It's a tech, right? It's at least somebody who has the word tech in their job title. Um, so they scheduled that for today. And, oh, oh, by the way, before they finished, they said, I, we do have to warn you that if they get there and find that the problem is, is something of your doing and not ours, there may be a service charge. And I said, well, then don't send them because I'm a thousand percent sure that this is not my problem. And I'm a hundred percent sure your guy is going to say it is. Mm-hmm. And they're going to charge me for it. So just don't send the guy. Forget it. And they said, well, for only three ninety five a month, I can enroll you in this insurance that will cover anything if he gets there. No, I don't want it. <laughs> don't enroll me in anything. Um, I said, just cancel the service call. And I'm guessing that goes against some sort of quota if I hang up unsatisfied. So they refused to do that. I said, okay, I want it in writing. I want you to type out right now your your name and your employee number and the words there is no way you will be charged for this call this service call and i and i printed that and i have a copy of it on my hard drive uh because i i fully expect my next bill is going to have a, a charge on it <clears throat> so anyway um he shows up today 2 hours late uh and <laughs> i've course. i've been working off site uh and after about an 11 hour day i roll in pretty tired and grumpy anyway and he's here, and he has disconnected all of my stuff, disconnected my router, unplugged everything, uh, and uh, he's replaced the the Comcast router with his own, and has everything plugged directly back up to that, has put in a new wireless password and a new SSID, um, and says, okay, now here's what you need to do. You need to program this password into all your equipment. I'm like, who who told you you could do this? At what point did someone say, yeah, come on in here and dis- and break everything? Um, so I, but I humored him. So I get everything straight with his settings with his brand new quote unquote updated router 
all his settings plugged directly into it via Ethernet. And I showed him with an NS lookup, which he had never heard of before. Yeah. Uh, and I, I popped open a command line and went ipconfig slash flush DNS. And he went, whoa, wait, wait, what was that? I've, I've never seen that before. <laughs> All right, child. Let me teach you your job. An IP config slash flush DNS will erase all DNS entries on the local machine, flushing out all the cache so that anything was stored there uh, will go away and it'll force it to check back to the DNS server the next time. Oh, that's awesome. They never taught us that in school. And I'm just banging my head at this point. School Uh, was three days. Right. The guy's (laughs) 30 years old-ish, you know. He's not a kid, uh, but he's he's clearly not experienced. I said... I have almost 20 years now as a network administrator. This this environment here, these three laptops and a Wi-Fi, I could do in my sleep. Mm-hmm. And I just need you to leave me alone. <laughs> and, and just So anyway, uh, he left and the problem is still there. So I said, it's either in this pre-programmed router that you've put here or it's somewhere down the line. So I'm going to have to go buy, you know, a hundred dollar cable modem just to test that to find out where the problem is. Uh, so I'm not too happy with, with suckfinity from Comcast right now. Yeah. And, uh, and you're right. That's not just, uh, unique to them. Cause I know I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, AT&T does the same thing. I always thought that it was further on down the line, like, they were sending some sort of special signal to their router that you know basically w- would override anything that you tried to. Well, change. it's it's really it's actually very simple to do, and the nat bo- the the uh, not nat box well uh, untangle box that you have on your firewall uh, appliance right now on your network can do that. It's a simple uh, firewall thing because a firewall has stateful packet inspection. It's, it's expecting every packet it goes through. And it just says any DNS packets discard and answer them yourself. So, you know, uh, and just ignore them and send it back and say it was you. So this is very common. Everybody does. Now it's a way to make a few bucks. So if you redirect somebody to your landing page because they mistyped something. Yeah. Or your and, search page because right. they're making a little money off of that. And search. you make a few pennies out of that and you've got a hundred million customers. You know, that few pennies adds up to a whole lot of money. So yeah. I'm not I'm not really upset that they're doing it. I just want to be able to turn it off. Most of the time, that's only if you use their DNS servers. But I am using my own DNS server, or in this case, OpenDNS. Um, and I tried the Google DNS too, uh, 8.8.8.8 and 8.4.4, 8.8.4.4, uh, the Google-owned public DNS servers. Same thing. So they're not just... Um, setting up their dns as a default they're completely overwriting my dns queries which is not illegal but it's against um the spec of the internet it's a, it it goes against the uh, uh rfcs that run the internet you're not supposed to do that and so I'm, I'm just i'm frustrated a that they're doing it and b that they don't know they're doing it yeah they know just uh you have to get up uh- a heck of a lot higher than you've gotten so far right well this the the guy i talked to today called his quote unquote supervisor which you know has four years of schooling instead of three four days uh, four mean. days yeah <laughs> um and he said oh i don't we don't have anything to do that it's, it's got to be something in his setup and at this point i'm just banging my head 
against the wall. <laughs> so anyway, there's there's my story. You know, props to him. I get grade bandwidth at a decent cost. You know, I, I'm sucking down like 24 megabits right now. But the little things is where they really fall down. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't care about you. You're like the one-tenth of one percent. Yeah. All right. So there's there's my, my uh, Comcast rant for the day. But you do have your own show. <laughs> <laughs> and fives of people will hear about my ire. <laughs> we'll bring down the tightwad nation on them. <laughs> so what kind of goodness I see that you have there? You have you have some candy store goodness going on. Yes, I do, man. Okay, and I'm not going to say it's because I got a Galaxy S3 with AT&T, you know, just yesterday. But I did get my my new phone, the S3 yesterday. And today, AT&T released the Jelly Bean upgrade. Sort so, of. Sort of. Just saying. They didn't really release it. They just stopped keeping it from people. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So if you've got a Galaxy S3 and AT&T and you're waiting for your over-the-air update of Jelly Bean, it ain't going to happen. Keep waiting. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that was the frustrating thing because when I when I first saw that uh, announcement today, I was all excited. So what do I do? I do what I've always done with my Android phones: is you know I go to the the you know check version and uh, you know uh, check for updates and um, and nothing. And I was a little you know I was kind of like, well, the article said they released it, so I was a little taken back. I wasn't quite sure. Then I went in and did a little bit more homework and found out that it wasn't, they weren't doing an OTA up, update. You had to use, uh, uh, the Samsung has their own little kind of syncing software where you can, you know, uh, synchronize your content with your, with your computer. Um, and you have to install that. And um, so I, I wasn't real happy about having to install that software that I really don't need to use. Um, and What's then, it called? Keys? Something like keys. that? Yeah, it's like K-I-E-S. Um, it actually, you know, it, it was actually, it kind of surprised me because the software was actually kind of cool. Uh, with this Keys software, I can turn it on, and if I'm on the same network as my computer, basically, uh, since my network has, has assigned an IP to my phone, then Keys tells me once I've turned it on my phone, go to this IP address, this, this address in your browser. So you go in your browser on any computer on your network and you can access kind of a web interface for this stuff. So um, that was kind of cool, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm still not ever going to use that. Right. You know, <laughs> so. so I, I it, just love that the article, the, the screenshot in the article shows a nice big 3G icon on it. Not not LTE, but 3G. Right, right. Well, um, so then I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. So I found out about keys. And I'm like, okay, that's, you know, mildly cool, I guess. Um, but then I find out that, you know, you can't use that version. You still have to download the desktop keys software and physically plug your phone into the computer to perform this update. So I'm like, okay, you've got this really cool wireless working over the network thing going, but then when you apply this update, it's got to be wired. Now, I know probably because of the, you know, the resets they have to perform during the upgrade and things like that. So, you know, it made I, I guess it made sense. It was just, you know, 
it's funny how sometimes you can see they've put so much thought into certain aspects of software and then, you know, not others, or you, you see simultaneously the, uh, the things that, you know, are kind of downfalls, but either way, I mean, it was, it was very easy. You know, I downloaded the keys software, downloaded the jelly bean update and, um, and you know, 20 minutes later, uh, I had jelly bean on my phone. So, uh, now since I just got the phone yesterday and I didn't even have ice cream sandwich on my previous phone, the Motorola Atrix. So I was just getting used to ice cream sandwich. So you went basically from gingerbread to jelly bean. Right. But, um, but I, I had to, I hopped on YouTube cause I'm like, okay, there's surely YouTube videos about the, you know, what's new in jelly bean versus ice cream sandwich. So I go and I do all this homework and really it's like, not a whole lot different there. You know, some menu items have moved and things like that. There's some very minor changes in functionality. Um, but even going just from one day on ice cream sandwich to now one day on jelly bean, I was like, well, just didn't, I, I was overly excited apparently because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, while it's cool to say I have one of the few phones that have jelly bean on it, uh, it's not really that big of a deal. So if you don't have Jelly Bean out there, don't don't feel like you're missing a whole lot. That's the way it was for me when I on my Nexus phone. I moved from um, uh, Froyo to Gingerbread, and everybody at the time was like, "Hey, when when's Gingerbread going to come out? I, I want Gingerbread. I got to get it. I got to get it." And and I got it because the Nexus phones are the first to be updated. And I was like, "Oh hum, you know, it's it, it's not a big deal." Uh, I got a couple of minor things, uh, keyboard enhancements, some, you know, new icon packs. It wasn't a big deal. Now, moving from that to ice cream sandwich was a pretty big deal. And so I suspect that's the way Jelly Bean is. It's a a minor enhancement. And then the next one, whatever, uh, key lime pie, I think is what it is, um, Mm -hmm. is going to be, you know, the major one. I don't know. We'll see. But I think think it's something only geeks get excited about. Most people – Buy a phone for the way it is in the store and leave it that way forever. Right. Yeah, they're not ever interested in updating it. Well, that's. Um, I found a really great video that took identical Samsung Galaxy S3s at, at factory, basically factory reset, one with um, ice cream sandwich and one with jelly bean on it. And they were re- literally doing the same exact function at the same exact time. And... Uh, while a lot of reviews have said that Jelly Bean makes it so much snappier and all this kind of stuff, uh, you could see in the side-by-side comparison that it actually was a little bit slower on a lot of things <laughs> because they added just – you almost wouldn't notice it if you weren't looking for it, but some extra little bits of animation. Yeah, more eye candy. Right, that took you know a fraction of a second longer to actually take place. So um, – so it's kind of funny when you see the reviewers who haven't really reviewed it down to that level, uh, basically being fanboys and say, Oh, it's great. It's faster. You know, they start sounding like, you know, iPhone owners, uh, you know, it's beautiful. It's great. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, if you're missing uh, that's, that's my report. If you don't have jelly bean, don't worry. You're really not missing that much. Okay. So, uh, on my phone, a couple of, Maybe maybe six weeks ago, there was an over-the-air update um, that I took, and I, I knew better. My phone is ro- uh, rooted, so I have a, a, a hacked bootloader, and I knew better than to take the uh, update, but I did anyway. Did and you break? It, it bricked my phone. Uh, <laughs> it was in an endless reboot cycle. But fortunately, since I do have 
uh, an unlocked bootloader, I have a backup copy on this, the SD card on the phone. So I was able to, to restore that, uh, and it wasn't a big deal. Uh, but I, I went Googling then to see what this update was. The update was to block my phone from ever getting Jelly Bean. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah, the, so uh, AT&T, quote, updated my phone to make sure that it wouldn't update. Why is it that they do that? Do you know? I think it's a support issue. They don't want to be supporting multiple OSs in the wild. Um, okay. And then I secondary. Was, uh, they want you to buy a new phone. Yeah, I think that's secondary. I think that's in there. But I think the the benefit of that is secondary to just not having to train their monkeys on two different OSs. I mean, it's hard to train a monkey anyway. Right. Uh, and then if you have to train your monkey on multiple OSs, you know, it's it's just, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Speaking makes- of hard, let's make things easy. How about an easy button for producing uh, custom 3D uh, devices uh, or uh, shapes, forms? A Staples easy button for 3D printing. That would be cool, wouldn't it? That would be cool. But surely that's years away from now. Eons, at least. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was uh, interesting. Uh, I stumbled across this article, and I was kind of shocked by it, really. I mean, you know, 3D printing's been around for a little while now, and uh, within the last few years, it's actually become quasi-affordable, I guess. Right. Mark, I mean, you can buy these 3D printers now for under $1,000. Well, there's an open-source project for that where you can... uh, Well, it's, it's awesome. People who have built these can now 3D print their own 3D printers because uh, <laughs> they have the models for it. And so you can uh, you can buy a kit to build your own 3D printer, at which point you can produce kits to build 3D printers. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's neat. Uh, certainly doing any kind of 3D printing um, is, is still in the realm of geekdom, I think. Um, and uh, so I was a little surprised that they're they're going with this, but uh, MakerBot that's what that's called. Sorry. Yeah, the MakerBot is kind of the famous one, right. um, and there's there's uh, I think uh, one or two that's actually a little bit cheaper than that, and there's some that are a little bit more expensive. But uh, one maker of 3D printers, uh, Euromold, um, is uh, no, I'm sorry, that's the actual 3D printer, the Euromold. 2012. Uh, the manufacturer is Mcore Technologies, and they have uh, partnered with Staples to put uh, one of these, or presumably one of these, maybe multiple ones. I don't know. I don't think there'll be that much demand. Uh, but one of these 3D printers in um, all of the Staples stores across the nation, uh, a la the Easy Button, and uh, and you can, I guess, take your. I don't even know. I guess that's project files or something that they yeah your they CAD do. files, your three D CAD files. Right. You can you can basically take those down and just like you might take down uh, if you don't have access to a printer somehow, uh, you know your Word document on a thumb drive down to Staples and have them print up your your proposal or whatever. You can have them go down and uh, you can go down there and print off your three D project right there in Staples. And their methodology is different. Uh, the way the there there are several ways to do it. the The classic way is to use uh, a resin that is hardened by a certain frequency of light, and you slowly build up that resin by hardening it a light. the uh, The MakerBot way is by usually literally using print cartridges, like from your inkjet printer, 
and extruding plastic material on it. Um, what the article says about this one from Euromold is they're slicing paper, very thin, like typing paper, um, right. and and gluing it together. So that adds all sorts of cool stuff because paper is available in lots of thicknesses and in colors. So you can embed color without having to buy color plastic, and you can have multiple colors. So it's a it's a it's a novel technique that I hadn't read about before. Yeah, and they said uh, when these things are done, they kind of have the consistency maybe of like a, a wood. Um, so you know, very uh, hard, sturdy. Uh, you know, whatever it is that you're you're printing out. But yeah, I thought it was cool because. Um, you know, even the cheap 3D printers right now, I think, are running like $600. Does that sound about right, Mark? Have you seen anything cheaper than that? Uh, no, I haven't looked at all. I don't know. Yeah, I think, that, you know, maybe $600, maybe less. But, you know, even then, I mean, that's that's nothing nothing to laugh at, especially right. if it's just uh, something you're playing around with. So, And then it, the, 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 material, the materials, the polymers that you have to fill in them are expensive. And I, I would assume right. using paper and glue makes it less expensive. Right. So if you've, uh, particularly if you're in, you know, if you like, uh, kind of designing 3d things in some AutoCAD software anyway, and you've always been interested in these 3d printers and haven't had access to one, uh, that should be coming relatively, uh, relatively soon. So maybe you can take your project down to a local staples and, uh, and, and get that done. Uh, they're, they're saying, uh, right now that it's going to launch in the Netherlands the beginning of 2013, the first quarter of 2013. So uh, not something you're going to see tomorrow. Um, uh, and they, they didn't actually give any any forecast of exactly when they were going to roll that out in the United States. I, I still find it kind of hard to believe that it'll be in every single Staples. I'm thinking yeah. maybe major markets, something like that, if you're in a, you know, big area. Maybe they're high-volume stores or something. So, But, you know... Uh, if if we see anything on it uh, in the future, we'll we'll report on it and maybe keep your ground your ear to the ground and uh, uh, look for that to come in the future. There will come a time, in in if not in my lifetime, in the lifetime of my children, when those devices, the the great great grand descendants of those devices, will be in every household, and you will be able to print your own IKEA furniture. You will you will buy the plans, the CAD drawings from IKEA from their website. You right. will download it, and your device will print your new bed for you. And it'll take a while. It'll take a day, you know, mm -hmm. at first. Um, but it'll revolutionize, it'll, uh, revolutionize the shipping industry by taking things off the roads and off the, the oceans, um, and everything will be on demand. And, you know, that, I think that's the – it's not the Star Trek replicator, but it's certainly the, you know, the, the progenitor of that. Well, and presumably these things, I would think over time, I mean, it's still a relatively new technology, you know, uh, maybe 10 years from now, you know, you can make something in five minutes. Right. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. But uh, I, I just, I, I was trying to be a little more realistic about what might happen in my lifetime is, right. you know, something that, uh, that you, uh, I could, I could envision like right now in, in the U.S. I don't know. I honestly don't know how it is in other countries, but in the U.S. certain utilities such as gas and water uh, are provided by municipalities or by companies uh, with uh, with uh, essentially a monopoly, um, and there are, there's plumbing under the ground, under the streets, up to your house. I can um, envision a world where these common polymers are plumbed into your house, 
and you have your municipality, your city, you're going to pay for water, you're going to pay for garbage, and you're going to pay for for MakerBot polymers. And it'll just become part of the infrastructure that everybody has. Right, right. You know, just print new dishes from your microwave, uh, the microwave-safe dishes when you need them uh, that are biodegradable, and instead of washing them, they dissolve in water. So you throw them in the sink overnight (laughs) – they dissolve, and you just pull the plug in the morning. You know that's that's the kind of world that I'm envisioning. Nice, yeah. No more dishwashing, huh? Right. You know, you have an appliance roughly the same size as a dishwasher, but all it does is dissolve the components that then goes back into the drain and is reclaimed by the <laughs> municipality and put back into the the tanks. Wow. Okay, that's that's pretty good. That's that's some good uh, forward thinking there. Yeah, so you know, I'm not thinking Star Trek. I'm being realistic. This is something that could happen in the next decade uh yeah. and and could be reasonable and and sustainable. Huh. Well, uh speaking of things that might happen in the next decade. <laughs> And Mark, I know we've we've talked about this before, uh, but there was a little bit of an update on it. The Wii U, and I can't remember when it was we were talking about this, but uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you were talking about the massive update. I mean, out of the box update that this thing has to take. And uh, there's a little bit of new news on this. Uh, Nintendo announced that. Basically, this initial firmware upgrade that has to occur on this Wii U will not. Uh, be bundled with the actual hardware until uh, beginning of twenty, you know, first quarter of twenty thirteen. Uh, so we can be guaranteed now that all the Wii U's opened up Christmas Day. Uh, we'll need between two and five gigs of da- of updates. Right. right. So uh, yeah, I just you know, like I said, we've already talked about this, so no need to go into great length about it. Oh but- no, no, no! But we do, we do, because oh, this okay. this illustrates something. Uh, very interesting from a business standpoint. Okay, so okay. Um, if it's not going to be until like uh, uh, quarter two, 2013, all right, so March, April, 2013. Right. That means that's how long it'll take for them to produce de- units with um, with the, this upgrade in it. So you're basically just talking about the lead time, the production right, lead time. Right, But they're quote-unquote selling out fast. Okay, the the demand is supposed to be faster than their production. the 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 company line is we are cranking th- these things out as fast as we can, and we can't keep up with demand. Well, if that were true, <laughs> you'd be able to just slip that new chip into the line and crank them out immediately. Because if you're selling them as quickly as you're making them, what this says to me is they've got six months in a warehouse, and they're going to have to sell those before right. new models. But they're yeah. quote sold out. How can you? How can that be? <laughs> yeah. So you you talking about artificial supply and demand? Absolutely. They've got a big honking chunk of these sitting in a warehouse somewhere that they're quote sold out of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and it hasn't that that's always been right? Nintendo. Let's release something shortly before Christmas. And uh, people are going to clamor for it, and we're going to have this, you know, where, you know, it's going to be a real hard thing to get, and uh, everybody goes crazy for it. So, yeah. Yeah, I believe you. Yeah, so it's it's just it's an interesting look. In, they, they've, they've tripped over their own business model is what has happened here. They've, um, by, by doing this, by having these stockpiles 
of devices, it's impractical, if not impossible, for them to go upgrade every one of those. So they got to wait till they can sell those. And their analysts, the the people who know these things, are telling them, we've got a six-month supply, so it'll be six months before we can do that. Right. But their marketing people are saying, buy now, they're selling out, hurry, quick. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting duplicity. Okay, so Nintendo, you've you've been caught. You pulled back the kimono there, and we've seen <laughs> what's beneath, and it's ugly. Yeah, yeah. Um, this uh, this next item, I wanted to. Uh, I almost made it a tip of the week, but I don't know. I don't know that it's really worthy of being a tip of the week. But um, I actually got an email. Oh, it was within the last couple of days, Mark. But it was addressed to you. So I'm guessing maybe, uh, and I'll have to go back into my Google Apps for Education uh, account, but I'm guessing that you're still listed in there as the administrator. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it came addressed to, to Mark Cockrell, but it, it hit my inbox. It's so. because I'm an influential member of the education technology world. Right, right. But uh, I wasn't aware of this. Uh, this actually has been out there for a while. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about it. There's uh, something called Google in, in Google in Education on Air, and uh, what this is, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. that <laughs> Google in Education on Air is. <laughs> uh, Basically, it's just a, a lot of a, a bunch of webinars that have been scheduled, and these go back into uh, the earlier part. I want to say maybe May of 2012 is when they actually started, uh, and they're just these uh, online webinars, and they address uh, all kinds of aspects of using Google products in education. So there's Google Apps in education, Google Earth in education, all these different things. Um, what's great about it is that. A lot of these are, are geared toward the classroom teacher, uh, which which is fine. But they have some that are are exclusively directed at you know the IT people, the the IT coordinators and directors of the world, and uh, th- those types of people. Um, but even going through all of the different uh, areas that they're they're you know they're focusing on. Uh, there's a ton of them. I mean, I, I went through the ones in just the education or the, the teacher section, and there were several that caught my eye um, that were just interesting. So, I mean, if you work in education technology, uh, I think you need to go check it out and, uh, you know, see if there's anything interesting to you. Uh, there's one upcoming. It's actually the last dedicated one for IT people um, on December 18th. Uh, and this, it was put together by the University of Michigan, but they're basically their presentation is uh, a, a rollout of Google Apps for Education. So you get a, a major university talking about how they went about rolling out Google Apps in Education. Um, so uh, that one in particular, I'm interested in. Uh, so go check it out. Google in education on air. It'll be uh, a link to it in our show notes. And, uh, really the uh, it's sites.google.com slash site slash edu on air slash home. I mean, it's, it's not the hardest, uh, URL in the world, but it, it's not the easiest, but if you Google it, surely you'll find it. So, uh, go check that out. Yeah. So it's the hangouts on air fe- uh, feature that, uh, was first released to major media types uh, and then released to everybody. You can have a hangout. We're Sean and I are conversing in a hangout right now. 
And if I chose to, I could uh, broadcast it live, and then it would be saved and and put on YouTube uh, and on my Google Plus page. So they're using that technology, and they're both uh, sort of promoting that and promoting education by getting education leaders in, having hangouts with them, and publishing it. So it's a it's a win win, really. It's it's good stuff. It's out there on YouTube. You can watch it at your leisure, and they've got some some of the best minds in the business because they can afford that. Right. And and I'm glad you pointed that out, Mark, because a lot of these, like I said, a lot of these have already happened, but they have been recorded. So uh, if you see something in there that piques your interest, uh, it's, you know, it's still there. You can go and watch the recorded version. And speaking of people that can afford the best in the business, uh, Netflix threw down a lot of cash uh, for uh, to Disney and said, let us show your movies before stars and hbo and showtime that's that's the first time that's ever happened yeah i was really shocked and of course being a netflix subscriber i'm loving it especially you know a netflix subscriber with small children uh i'm i'm really loving uh, hearing that um and it's also kind of neat because you know i remember when this these whole streaming services first started coming around and you know, people were kind of reluctant to jump on board because they didn't really seem to have the the power behind them that, you know, a lot of these major uh, cable networks and, and whatnot had. Uh, so you're kind of worried about whether or not they were going to ever really um, take hold. You see, what was interesting is just this summer, I think it was. See, Netflix used to have a contract with Stars. Right. That uh, as soon as Stars was finished showing stuff, they would take it and put it on Netflix, complete with the star's logo at the beginning and end. And yeah. and they let that lapse, thus losing a huge uh, catalog of movies. And a lot of people, myself included, grumbled about that. Now it makes sense. They don't want it star sloppy seconds. They want to beat them to the punch. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a, this is a, a great example of that. And uh, I was kind of shocked just because the name involved. I mean, Disney. Uh, you know they're uh, they they can be tough to deal with, and I'm sure that it cost a very pretty penny for Netflix to uh, secure that contract. Yeah, they threw down a lot of money, uh, which is interesting because uh, Netflix is having some money troubles, some cash troubles. They're not um, going to bankrupt or anything, but they don't have as much cash as a company their size generally would expect to. Um, and maybe this is why. Maybe they had already made that deal and depleted their coffers but couldn't make it public yet so anyway it's just kind of an interesting thing i as a netflix subscriber i think it's great because i would i would rather pay my money to netflix uh than i would for hbo and, and all that other stuff so i can get the movies without the cheesy softcore you know stuff that's on every night um, right well and not only that but just the on-demand aspect of right. it you know you get you can watch what you want when you want to watch it um or you can do like i do I fall asleep watching the dang thing every night. So I watch a sh- I watch a movie. It plays for two hours or whatever. I fall asleep fifteen minutes into it. It takes me like four nights, you know, four or five nights to watch an entire movie. But you know, I can just watch it over and over again. You know, pick right. up where I left off. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's just it's funny because we're becoming that. You know, it's everything is on demand. We have to have right. what we want when we want it. That's one of those skills you learn when you become a parent. I remember my my oldest child, who's now 10, 10 years ago when she was just born, uh, I got a copy of The Lord of the Rings on DVD. And uh, it's a long movie. It's three-ish hours. And it took me two weeks to watch it. 
because I had to, you know, every time we'd start it up, the baby would start crying or we'd be so exhausted we'd pass out. And that was right. a new experience for me. But now it's commonplace. It takes me a month to watch a movie sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you come to expect that now. And if right. you don't have that freedom, that's why uh, I'm constantly met with people who haven't quite come up with the times yet. And uh, they are amazed that I don't watch standard television anymore right. and I don't have satellite and all this stuff. Right. They're just amazed. How do you do that? How do you do that? And I look at them the same exact way. I'm like, how do you how do you suffer through all that garbage that <laughs> comes along with it, you know, and having to, you know, I mean, obviously, yes, you can record shows and all that. I understand that. But even at the level that I'm at, having to record something and, and then having to fast forward through commercials, I'm like, what, what are commercials? You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when you've, you've gone to that higher level, uh, but certainly you, you do miss out on some programming and a lot of what you watch, you have to watch after everybody else has seen it. Uh, but that's going to change. This will become the major way that, de- that media is delivered. And so that's why I love seeing this kind of news because it's just another step in that direction. That just reminded me of a, a blog article, and if, and if I can find it, uh, I'll put it in the links, but I probably won't. Um, it was uh, an article uh, written about, uh, it's called This TV is Broken. In fact, I, yeah, I just Googled it. Uh, if you Google This TV is Broken, that, that uh, section, uh, it's a, uh, a man talking about an experience with his daughter. They don't have cable. They've never had They have Netflix. And uh, they were traveling. And they were in a place that only had television. And his daughter said, I want to watch Dora. And dad said, Dora's not on right now. We can't watch Dora. Uh, and then a commercial came on. What's this, daddy? Well, it's a commercial. Well, can't we skip past it? No. This TV's broken. So this, this child thought the TV was broken because she was having to sit through commercials and couldn't watch what she wanted to when she wanted to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, we're we're at that point now. I mean, uh, probably, yeah, young children, uh, 15, 20 years from now, they those concepts will be completely foreign. It'll be like, you know, telling our kids about the telegraph. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I remember the days. Right. Uh, uh, just a, a quick anecdote. Why not? Um, sure. Uh, not too long ago, Dish Network did me the 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 honor and privilege of giving me a free subscription to HBO or Cinemax. I forget what it was. One of those things. Um, I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. It was a it was one of those trial things. Um, and so my kids were upstairs watching television. They were watching some kid movie. I, I don't remember what it was now, but it was approved. I I knew they were watching it. It was it was like six six or seven p.m. and they had it. They were watching it. And uh, then dinner time and bedtime, and they went to bed, and they had left the TV on. And I didn't pay any attention to what channel it was. I just made sure I knew what program it was. So I walk in there, 1130, midnight to go to bed. The TV is still on, and there are people having sex on my television. (sighs) Uh, And I immediately, that moment, I called Dish and said, get this crap off my TV. And they was like, well, it's not costing you anything. It's a free. No, you don't understand. I do not want this. Not now. Not ever. Right. And they said, well, you can set up parental. No, stop telling me what I can do and make it go away right now before <laughs> I hang up this phone call. <laughs> anyway, so in, in a world, and this Netflix definitely has some adult stuff on it. Uh, but 
it, they also have a just for kids section, which is awesome. So, yes. you know, in the world of on demand, you don't have to put up with that stuff. You can watch what you want. And if you like the, if you like the porn and you don't want the kid stuff, you can have that too. So, you know, it's, that's why I think the world is, is in, inexorably moving in that direction. It will not ever go back and uh, people are going to have to get used to that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right, we need to skip a couple of these. We're running long, Sean, so pick the next two that you just we know we have to talk about. I have to go to San Antonio right. because the devil is taking over. He start, he's beginning his comeback, his takeover of the world in San Antonio ISD. So this being you know, our roots in education, uh, I, I could not skip this uh, article. <clears throat> um, and the article was listed as uh, the 666 chip, uh, question mark. Uh, but yes, uh, I work for a school district in, in Texas, so this is very uh, near and dear to my heart. As a matter of fact, we, we know some techie types that are from this district, so I'm kind of curious if ever I get a chance to talk to them, uh, what their take is on all this. But uh, they are instituting a new ID badge policy, uh, and, and I think it was just in their high schools, but uh, students have to wear this ID badge, it, I think it's set in there around their neck. Uh, so I guess on a lanyard or something. Uh, but this ID badge has an RFID chip implanted in it. <clears throat> so uh, uh, they're going to be using this to actually quasi-track student movement, like uh, basically be able to, I, certainly, I guess they'll have points where they move by or something, um, where it's at least verifying that the student is there in school and uh, the district was basically saying they're doing this to try to, uh, you know, the state pays the district a certain amount of dollars every day that, you know, each student is yeah. there. Absentees cost money in a big, big way. Right. So, yeah, so it's hitting their bottom line. So this is something that they're trying to use to, uh, uh, counteract that and actually it wasn't so much from the standpoint of trying to make sure more students were there they felt that they were getting shortchanged somehow and not getting full credit for the number of students that were there every day uh, so i guess that ha is how this comes into play and i don't know you know all of the details of how that works but basically what came out of this is there's now a student in one of their high schools who has filed suit basically saying they don't want to have to uh to do this because of their religious beliefs and that this is the way that basically the mark of the devil will be put on her. Yes. Uh, growing up in a uh, extremely fundamentalist charismatic background, I'm all about the mark of the beast. I know all of that sort of stuff and, um, and how it's, you know, uh, barcodes were the mark of the beast at one point, you know, the things that you send right. your groceries with, that was the mark of the beast. Credit cards were the mark of the beast. So now it's RFID tags. Yes. Yes. So, and you, know, and I've been, you know, I've seen a lot of, uh, again, I, I go back to Netflix, but uh, I've seen a lot of documentaries that reference that is that the RFID chip is now the big evil is, you know, we're going to all have RFID implants and that that is going to be the mark of the beast, and that's how they're going to, you know, uh, control us and everything else. And uh, so this uh, is a ridiculously long article about it, too. Yeah, it is. It's it's extremely long. I kind of skimmed through it and got the you know the the gist of it, and that's what I, I shared. But uh, that's basically all you need to know. I just thought it was 
I thought it was really funny. Um, and especially because it's just kind of here in my own backyard. Right. Let me just throw, lay down a little bit of logic on you. Just a little, uh, fundamental religious beliefs aside. Uh, and I've, I've made no, um, uh, secret here that not only am I Christian, I'm a fairly fundamentalist Christian in a lot of my beliefs. Uh, this is, is just stupid people. Um, RFID tags have a, an extremely limited range. I mean, uh, think about this. This is in a school district. Schools don't spend a lot right. of money on stuff, right? So um, this thing is going to have a range of a few feet. Maybe. 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 I mean, if you really go out and drop lots of money on the most expensive one, you get 100 feet out of them. That's just the way RFID works. You, you, uh, a magnetic field activates and powers the chip at the same time. The mag- magnetic field actually provides power to the chip, which then sends out a signal that the, the, um, the activating device can also read. So this is like when you walk through the front door, you're tracked as having walked through the front door. And that's really about as good as it gets. Um, and you know, there are all sorts of horror stories about how this might do that and might do that. Yes. And I might win the multi-state lottery without ever buying a ticket, but the odds of that happening are extremely, extremely slim. Well, yeah. And you know, uh, the, the article even says that, that, you know, it doesn't give them like GPS like tracking, you know, you, you just can't do that. And again, these chips aren't implanted in the children anyway. It's just a... It, right. And the kid can take it off as soon as they leave home, you know? Right. Or leave, leave for home. Leave it in the locker, right? There's right. no reason they couldn't do that. So it's not tracking them around town or when they go to grandma's house or, or anything like that. Yeah. And, and to get, you know, to get anything, like you said, Mark, to get anything over... Uh, you know, a foot or two of, of reading capability, you have to have equipment so powerful, so strong that I surely no school district can afford it. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, yeah, just, just funny. You know, I have a card key, Sean, I know you do too, because I helped install it that you have to be like within a quarter inch. Uh, and those readers cost several hundred dollars each and you got to be within a quarter inch of it yeah yeah all right and the last one is kind of interesting and we probably shouldn't have saved it to the last but hopefully this is going to be a full show topic later yeah Um, i didn't want to i didn't want us to just uh you know it was the show that we recorded just last night that a listener turned us on to this so uh, one of the first things i did this morning uh was you know, get on the net and start doing some homework on this company and uh, talking about connect to compete. And uh, so I just wanted to give a little bit of rundown of what I found out today. Uh, And I am trying to get somebody from this company to come on the show. Uh, I sent something out early this morning and have yet to hear back from them. So, um, you know, I'm kind of I'm hoping that's not a bad sign, but I'll I'll keep hounding them and hopefully we'll get somebody. if you listen to our previous show, then you'll. I, I, did we mention anything about it in the show, Mark? I think no. We did, it was after we no? stopped recording. Was it after? Okay, so Connect to Compete is a company. It's a nonprofit company that has partnered with some extremely large partners. I mean, we're we're talking about uh, sort of a tech who's who out there. Um, so they have a literally billions of dollars committed uh, to help them do this, but they are. Uh, 
they're basically just aiming at making high-speed internet and computers and the education to use those technologies at home. Uh, they want to make those uh, available to students, uh, underserved students, I guess. Or is that what you would? Is that a good term, Mark? Yeah, socially, uh, economically disadvantaged. Basically, if you work in education, you'll know what this means. It's the kids that qualify for free lunch. Uh, so if you have students that qualify for free lunch, they're going to qualify for this program, and uh, they can have access to really cheap high-speed Internet access. Uh, I think it was – Ten bucks a month. Yeah, nine ninety nine a month, um, one hundred and fifty dollar laptop or desktop computers, uh, and then they they promise to have a wealth of educational content to go along with that. Uh, now, I was all excited. I was real excited when I first heard about this because it's going to be this nationwide thing and everything. And what I've found so far is that they've basically done uh, two test runs in uh, San Diego and then the uh, I think it was the Mississippi Valley Delta. Um, that uh you know they're currently doing this so uh i went on further because my my next question was well how do i sign my school up for this right um and i can't find any information about that so i i think right now it's in the very early stages right. um so as you hear about this as you start trying to do more homework I, I couldn't find anywhere where you sign up for a beta or anything like that i think it's just they're going to test it where they want to they're going to pick some places uh you know iron out all the wrinkles and then uh probably be contacting you know districts and areas that they want to continue to expand in um but I am going to try to get uh, a representative of that company on the show so we can find out just what their plan is. Uh, the website says that, you know, they want to take it nationwide in 2013. So uh, if you're going to go national with something like that, the rollout, even over the course of a year, that's pretty quick. Right. Of course, nationwide could mean in 10 cities. Because, that you know, that's what AT&T says when they have nationwide LTE. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one thing that was, because I was a little concerned about that myself, I mean, I'm in a rural area, and, uh, you know, so often when people think of, you know, free reduced lunch kids, they're thinking of the, the, the urban inner city. Right, that live in the projects. Uh, but when you live in a rural area that's really out there in the country, you run into the same problems. There's a, there's a lot of low-income families um, that are, are, you know, can can be very underserved. Um, and kind of forgotten about. And uh, so uh, I saw on the website that they do make those distinctions. Uh, they, they do make a point of saying, you know, both in the urban and the rural areas that these are the two areas that, uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's not those sub suburbs that this is right. a huge problem. Um, it's the inner city and the rural areas. So, um, so I just wanted to throw it out there. And if, you, if you're interested, you can check uh, more into it. But uh, like I said, you're not going to find a whole lot of information. And, of course, as we find out more information, we'll make sure and uh, get it into a show. Hopefully, we'll have uh, somebody on from the company and have a whole show about it. Yeah, so that's just uh, something to be aware of, uh, coming soon uh, sort of thing. But it was, it was too cool for us not to at least talk about a little bit uh so that yeah right. i'm really excited about these kinds of initiatives um but before i left the the education world i had two separate companies call me and say they were working on grants either local or state to run fiber we've we've reached a point now where uh the urban areas are pretty well saturated with high-speed copper and fiber and so they're starting to the 
this government money, these these uh, the FCC, the the funds that you're that is on your like the TIF money that's on your cell phone bill every month, um, mm-hmm. is is starting to be redistributed in different ways. And and uh, these companies said, uh, basically said, look, we don't we don't know the details yet, but we need to know if you're interested in maybe doing something in the future. If you are, all you have to do is say yes, we might be interested in five years, and we will run fiber to your location because we're out running fiber and right now it's going to be dark fiber uh so there's there's initiatives like that going on all over the state so you know we're we're in the early phases right now you know early on in, in telephone uh world they used to hang the lines in trees so that people wouldn't step on them you know and and that's kind of where we are now in this fiber optic world we're just kind of laying it wherever we can and we'll figure out a way to light it up later because it's finally gotten cheap enough that we can do that so i i think this uh initiatives like this uh this uh connect to compete thing and these other things are going to start uh, sort of uh reach critical mass and we're finally going to have broadband everywhere at a reasonable cost right yeah and you know normally i might be a little hesitant to to mention something like this so early on in the program you know kind of wait and see where it goes see if it if it has any legs and if it's going to actually because uh, you know some of this you, you hear things and it never gains traction and never actually ends up happening. But uh, but when we say partners, I mean, these guys have Microsoft and City Financial and Intel and, uh, uh, you know, they've got some big players uh, that have dedicated funds to them and have uh, sort of dedicated to the cause. So I think there's a very good chance that uh, we're going to see a huge rollout of this next year. Yeah. Ever heard of a little company called Morgan Stanley? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The government owes them money. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is uh this is exciting stuff. Uh and yeah. I really do hope we can get a representative. Uh you know, I, I would you know, sometimes when we contact these companies we get a uh you know a pr wonk and that's great because pr wonks can have great information but i really love to be able to talk to one of their techs one of their engineers about how they're doing this and how they're sustaining that uh, and so that's what we're going to try to push for right right uh and if you have a great now this was just an offhand comment in the chat room from one of our listeners um, and we, we rely on this sort of stuff. So uh, if you have a comment or a suggestion or something that you know about that you think we might want to cover, we need you. It's not we would like you. We need you to, uh, to let us know. And you can do that at elementop.com. Use any of the contact us options there on the page. I go through it every week. I'm not going to do it again. There's a bunch of them. Just let us know. Uh, you can also find um, me out in the, in the wide world on Twitter and Google Plus and Sean the same way. So find us and say, hey, here's this thing. And, and like this uh, connect to compete, you know, you may be, it's not even a thing yet, but it's going to be a thing. Uh, and let us know and we'll certainly uh, track those things. Yeah, and I, I, I want to uh, give a shout out to a longtime listener, Oki Jason, uh, who was in the chat room and turned us on to that at the uh, the end of last night's recording. So uh, thanks, thanks, Jason. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, those are the types of things. We get them all the time. People are like, oh, I'd love to see or hear a show about such and such. Or um, they'll turn us on to some, some sort of news or new uh, service or company or whatever. And uh, uh, that's great because the more content you shovel our way, uh, the easier our job is. Right. Okie okay, Jason. He's from Wisconsin, right? Uh, 
That sounds right. Something that, or was it? Sean, uh, Sean, Sean. You don't know Dakota? a joke when you. Oki, Oklahoma. No, Could but was he really? I thought he's he was. from Oklahoma. Oh okay. my gosh. I made a stupid joke and you fell for it. <laughs> I, I was thinking we have a listener up that way. So I thought that's yeah. who you were referencing. It, it reminds me of that scene from, uh, uh, from Forrest Gump. It's like we have Dallas from Texas, and we have uh, Cleveland from Detroit, and right. Tex. Well, I don't remember where Tex was from. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> with that, I just have to say, great show. <laughs> <laughs> and you said it with such conviction. So uh, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for uh, being with us and uh, and keep them coming. And uh, I got nothing else to say, but this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>